Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Well, today we're, we're, we've been in this series called Hashtag for Family. And listen, if you missed the last couple of weeks, I'm telling you, maybe you, you should go back and listen to the last two weeks. We talked about getting your happiness back last week, not letting anyone steal that. And it's really, really good stuff. But today I want to talk to you about uh, restoring family relationships. And I just want to be honest with you that, that families, family relationships affect us more than anything else because we feel things so deeply with family, don't we? I mean, like, like, you're, like you, know, when you, you can feel the greatest love from family than anybody else, and then you also can experience the greatest pain from family over anyone else. Do you agree with that? I mean, it's like, you know, like, listen, you know, it's, it's just, it's that tension of family that, that sort of gets our emotions really, really going. And, and you know, in families, we, we can experience, like, we can experience laughter and joy, and in family, we can, we can experience sadness and madness, right? Uh, in family. And I'll tell you, uh, in my family, especially like between Rhonda and I, uh, that, you know, uh, these, uh, this family thing, all these emotions that I'm talking about, we experience greatly, uh, all of them, during childbirth. Uh, when our children were being born, we had laughter, we had joy, we had sadness, we had madness. And, 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 and so let me just take you through that. When, when uh, our son was born, uh, Rhonda was in labor 12 hours and it was all night, you know, it was like all night. Or when it started about midnight and, and right at about 12, our son was born the next day. And so, so she had been, you know, in this labor. And so finally, our son decided to come into this world. I didn't think he was coming, but he made it. And he came into this world. And, 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 you know, the doctors pulled, and there our son was, pulled him out, and here he was. And I was just overjoyed, you know, like I had tears of joy. And I was like, oh, put such love for my son. And then Rhonda, just such love. For, what a blessing. You've done all this. And I'm feeling such joy. And then the, 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 the doctor handed me a pair of scissors and said, uh, you can cut the cord. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just feeling love. You know, I'm love. Said, no, you can, here, sir, father, dad, you need to cut the cord. I'm, I know I feel loved. I feel loved. I'm good. And so they're not going to let, they're not going to disconnect until I disconnect it. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, so I said, like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And Rhonda's like, cut the cord, you idiot. Get this baby away. You know, get this baby done. And so like, whoa, ah. We went from the emotion of, oh, this is so wonderful, to I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and you would think, you would really think that, okay, the first, chi first child is a learning experience, right? I mean, you learn with the first child. Well, our daughter comes along, Caitlin, about four years later, and uh, she comes totally different. I mean, like, you know, Tyler was 12 hours in labor. Caitlin was on her way before we got to the hospital. I mean, like, we're going in the door, you know, and Rhonda's saying, I'll take an epidural because... But with our son, we went through all those classes where everything was going to be natural. The first pain hit, all that stuff went out the window. She went in the door saying, give me something, you know. So we went in the, she went in the door with Caitlin was uh, being born, and she said, you know, I'll take an epidural. Yes, I'll sign up. Just go ahead and get it to me. So she couldn't have it. She was too far along. 
And so she, they put us in this little room, and she's going, and I go, put my hand on her head and say, it's okay. Don't tell me to sh I'm like, whoa, I mean, like, there we go. I mean, like, boom. There it is. And I'm like, oh, my God, who is this? Come out. <laughs> and so, because um, it's just not her at all. And so then once our daughter was born, uh, which was not that long after that, uh, when she, when Kaylin was born, we didn't know if she was going to be a boy or a girl. And so they um, put her up, put her up on Rhonda's stomach and said, it's a girl. I never forget this day as long as I live. They said, it's a girl. Rhonda looked at me and she said, Jeff, it's a girl. It's a girl. And she's got tears streaming from her eyes. I mean, like it is, it's the most moving moment I think I've ever experienced. And Rhonda and Caitlin have had this bond their whole lives like this. I mean, they are just like that. And so we, we, so we experience all these kinds of emotions that we all experience in our family, especially when it comes to our father and our mother. When we say those names, father, mother, brother, sister, it, it invokes all of these emotions. And one of the greatest things that we, that we do sometimes is when we're at odds with each other, we can tend to get angry and we can say the, the most deceptive lie in the world is this, I don't care. I don't care about them anymore. I don't care about them anymore. As a pastor, I can tell you, in particular when it comes to family, that I have heard that many, many times. I've heard people tell me about the people of their, their family, uh, and they tell me about their mother, brother, father, sister, and then they say, I don't care. And I know that as soon as they say that, that they really do care. Because we were all created to care. And saying I don't care is really, deny, is really admitting that you do care. And, and there is something, listen, there is something about fathers, isn't there? It seems like the emotion, the emotion is it's more emotional when we say father, and then it's a little less emotional when we say mother, and then a little less when we say brother and sister. They're all emotional, but the fathers seem to really have that sort of, even a little more emotion to it. You know, um, we were, Rhonda's father had surgery uh, about two weeks ago, and um, she and I, you know, we had, she'd been to the hospital with him or whatever, and, and he, he had come home, and so we were sitting out on our back porch. Now, don't ask me why we do that when, in July and August, okay? Air conditioners in the house, we're paying for it, but we go sit out on the back porch with a fan blowing on. It makes no sense, but anyways, yeah, I'm a little messed up. So, uh, so anyway, we're sitting out there, and I call her father just to check on him, see how he's doing. Well, I, I have him on speaker, and Rhonda's sitting beside me. He has no idea that she's sitting beside me. And uh, I begin to ask him how he's doing. He says, good. And he tells me that how that someone had said, you know, uh, Herbert, you've you got a really good daughter in Rhonda, and uh, started go, you know, saying stuff like that. He said, you know what I said, Jeff? I said, what's that? He said, that's absolutely right. She's a pretty good old girl. I love her. Like that, you know? And, uh, and so Rhonda, he didn't know Rhonda was sitting there, and Rhonda heard that, and I seen her just beam. Still at this, you know, at this age in our, in, in our lives, it still matters what, you know, your parents and your father, it still matters what they say. And, uh, but you know what? He was on pain medicine. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you how I know that he really was a, a little uh, still charged, is because uh, he told me he loved me too. <laughs> 
Little juiced up, that's all I'm saying. But, but anyways, it still did her good. It did me good. You know what? I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to. I was uh, right when he was in the hospital, and it was like the day after his surgery, he was highly medicated. And, uh, and so I, we, had, we had been there with him all day, and we was getting ready to go. And I was asking if there was anything else we could do, and he said no. And I said, all right, well, I'll see you later. So I reached over his bed, you know, just kidding with him, like, okay, I'll see you later. And I re- like, like I was going to give him a kiss, you know. He raised up to kiss me. I'm like, dang it, what's wrong with you? Get off of me, man. <laughs> so I reminded him of that after he got home. I said, man, you tried to kiss me. What's wrong with you? He said, Jeff, you messed up. I didn't do nothing like that. You know I didn't. I don't remember that. I said, sure you don't. And we've had a great relationship, but it just matters what families say. And one of the temptations, again, is come is that we get hung up on the emotion of I don't care, and it really messes us up. See, what I've seen happen so many times is that people say, I don't care, I don't care so long that, that you know, they go 20 years of saying, I don't care, and then they get to be about 45 years old, and it's like they're walking this direction, and all of a sudden that emotion that really does care, grabs them by their belt loop in the back and snatch them right back into that moment of when they was 18. And they feel it all over again. And here's what happens. All of a sudden, the people and their family begin to suffer because they can't love wholeheartedly as long as their heart is still bitter towards someone else. And look what happens is they begin to drink a little bit. They begin to take more pills. And all of a sudden, their family's asking them, What's wrong with them? What's happening to them? They're angry. And it's that emotion. You see, you were created to care. To say, I don't care, is that you're lying to yourself. It's a deceptive lie. You were created to care. And let me just say, for all of you that are Christ followers today, as a Christian, you have no choice but to care. You have no choice but to care. And so today, as we talk about this, maybe you're not a Christ follower today. I hope that something that we say today will draw you in to that experience. And then for the rest of you that are struggling, I hope today that something that we say will draw you in to helping you in this. So I want to give you what I've called the why, the what, the how, and the when of restoring relationships in your family. Now look at me just a second. Okay, look at me, everybody. Do I have all this down? Heck no. Am I perfect? No. I know many times I can stand up here and teach you and you go, Oh my, if I just, oh, if that was if Jeff, I could just get it like Jeff, then I'd be perfect. No! I am a struggler like you, okay? And so I just want you to know that it, I have struggles like you. I just like you. There's relationships I struggle with. And so this will help all of us. So let's jump into the why. Why in the world would we even care anyways? Why would, why would we say, why would we just say, I don't care? Here it is. You ready? Number one is this. Is because Christ's love compels us to care. Christ's love compels us to care. Look at the verse that Paul is writing here, and he's teaching us about this. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. He says, for Christ's what? Christ's love. Look what it does. What does it do? Let's read those next two words. You ready? Compels us. Okay, so Christ's Christ love, Paul's, Christ's love for you and me, okay, Christ's love for you and me compels us. And that word, those two words, compels us, simply means, compels means it limits our options. 
And Christ's love limits our options. In other words, it gives us no other choice but to respond and to care with love. He goes on to say this, look, because we are convinced that one died for all, that's talking about Jesus, and then all died. Now, that's not, a little, that's not really clear, so Paul goes on and he clears it up. Look at the next verse. He says, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for who? Themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So here's what, here's what he's saying is that Jesus did something that was very uncomfortable for you. And sometimes he asked us to do what's uncomfortable for us, for him. See that? Dying on the, would you agree that dying on the cross for you was pretty uncomfortable? You agree with that? Okay, it's being spit on, having your beard plucked out, you know, stripes on your back, all of that stuff, being beaten half to death. He did that for us. He became uncomfortable for us. In order that sometimes he asks us to become uncomfortable for him. He goes on to say this. Look in verse 18. He said, And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Notice that. It was God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now, let me give you this term. This term reconciled, we don't use that much anymore. It is, a, it is actually a banking term. It, you know, to, to reconcile uh, accounts. So like... You know, like you have a, a bank account and then you have uh, what you spent. We used to have checkbooks where we had a check register, you know. And what you would do is that you would look at what the bank said that you have spent your money and what was in your account. And then you look at what you said and you try to make those match, right? That's called reconciling. It's called, the, you know, making what's incompatible compatible. And so you try to get those to match. Now, now some of you sitting here today have no clue what I'm talking about because all you do is go online and look and see how much money you got in the bank, and that's it, you know. And uh, that's why we're doing financial peace because some people are getting your money and you don't even know it because you haven't looked and reconciled that, right? Don't let anybody take your money. So look at that. So another term to, to, to bring this light, reconciled, is, um, is like a locksmith. A locksmith will, uh, he will, you know, if you have a lock at your house that you don't have a key for, you call the locksmith, well, he brings a blank key, okay, a key that will not reconcile with that lock. It will not match the lock. And then what he does is he starts cutting on that key until eventually he gets that key that, that did not match. He keeps working on it until finally it matches the lock and then, it, then he will turn that and it will unlock the lock. He reconciled that to the lock, the key to the lock. And they're one, they match now. And I just want to tell you that, listen, this is exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. It was God himself, it was God who took on all the responsibility, made all the move toward us by sending Jesus Christ to this world to die for our sins. It was our sins, it was what we said to God, we don't care what you say, we don't care. And while we cared the least, he cared the most. When we said we don't care, he cared, and he sent Jesus to die for our sins, and we, we caused the separation, but, but God sent Jesus to reconcile our relationship with God. You see how God went all the way? You see what I'm saying? He went all the way to reconcile our relationship. God loves you, is what I'm trying to tell you, that God's love for you went beyond your I don't care. It went beyond that. When you were saying, I don't care, he says, oh, I care more than your I don't care. You see what I'm talking about? 
being willing to care more than the I don't care of someone else is a strong, strong love. I have this statement. Look, it's coming up on the screen. Look what it says. It says, through Christ, notice this, through Christ, God removes every what? Every obstacle to reconcile with us. Now, what's the last two words? Let's read them. You ready? Accept us. Through Christ, God removes every obstacle, every obstacle to reconcile with us. That means he did everything that he can do. He did everything. He, he, you know, if it, it was 100 steps, he took 99. He did everything that he could do to reconcile with us except us. He couldn't remove the obstacle that where we said, it's my choice. He couldn't take your choice. And so here, here's what I want you to know. Is that the only one thing that's keeping you from reconciling to God, if you have not, is you. Because God's already made all the moves. It's you that you reconcile to. God is doing something great. God loves you. Now, let me tell you something here. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something I did, and some of you are going to think, oh, you, you, you just a henpecked man. Think whatever you want to think. I don't care what you, well, I don't care what you think. I still love you, though, okay? You know what I'm saying? I had to watch that, didn't I? So I, I love you, even though I don't care what you think about this. I just, I, uh, I had read this book, and this guy talked about something that he had done for his wife. And so I thought, you know, that is so good. I think I'll do that for Rhonda. So, in the end of December, I went out and I bought a little notebook, a little foo-foo notebook. I was a little embarrassed about it, okay? It's just a you know, it just looked a little girly, all right? And so, so anyways... I decided that I would begin a journal on January 1, and every day I would write something about what I loved about Rhonda that day. And so every day from January 1 all the way to July 25th on our wedding anniversary, every day I would write a little paragraph about our day, something happened that day, and what I loved about her that day. Okay? And so, you know, Rhonda saw this little notebook in my, my backpack one time. She said, Jeff, what's that? I said, that's my journal. She said, that's a little girly. And I was like, don't worry about that. I'm okay. I'm cool with who I am, you know? And so anyways, so on that, so on, because uh, she would see me writing in that, you know, I told her, I said, listen, don't ever look in that journal. It's personal. So if I ever, if I die, you can look in it then, you know? And so, um, so on our anniversary day on July 25th this year, I gave her that journal. Well, she opened up the gift. You know, I had it, I had it wrapped up. I had someone help me wrap it up. And uh, she said, well, Jeff, this is your journal. Why don't you give me your journal? This is stupid. <laughs> Trying to do good, you know. I said, well, just, just open it up and, and look. And so she opened it up, and it says, what I love about Rhonda. So every day, for all those days, so she said, you gave me a book. Because I wrote some every, a paragraph every day. So there's 100 pages or something. I don't know, just what I wrote. And so she looked at me, and the first thing she said, Jeff, I just want you to know, I'll never top this. I just want you to know that I'll never top this. You just raised the bar, you know. I'm like, you don't have to top it. And so she would begin to, she'll read, you know, read some of that stuff. And, and uh, she's like, wow, let me tell you something, guys. I hit it out of the park. Look, it is the only gift I ever, don't you tell her. 
It's the only gift I ever gave that keeps on giving. You know why? Because she took that little notebook, she put it right beside the bed. And every night, right before we go to sleep, she'd get over and turn that lamp on, and she'd read one little paragraph. And every night, I end on a good note. <laughs> every, every night. She says, she reads that, she said, oh, you're so good. I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> So listen, ladies, if your husband decides to try something like that, and if you, have, if you say, well, you're just doing that because Pastor Jeff said it, you're nuts. I don't want to tell you that. You are nuts. Uh, guys, it's a great thing. Just telling you that. It's a great thing. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It just keeps on giving. Okay, all right, listen. The reason I tell you that is because God has a journal. He's got your name written down. And every day, he writes something about he lo- what he loves about you. You know what? Sometimes while you're sleeping, God writes, I love watching you sleep and rest. And there's some of you sitting in this room, you say, I don't care, I don't care. That's all right, it doesn't matter if you don't care, because every day he's still writing what he loves about you. Every day he's writing what you love about him. What he loves about you. And you say, Jeff, you just don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been. You don't know what, you don't know all this. No, I do not know and I don't need to know because what I know about your father is this, is that he removed all the obstacles and that he's loved you so much that he sent his own son to die in your place on a cross and said, I've removed every obstacle but you and you're the love of my life. You're the love of my heart. And every day he's right. And when you get to heaven one day, guess what? When you walk through those pearly gates, I believe God's going to hand you the journal of your life and say, every day I wrote, I loved you. Because you're loved by God. And here's what I want to tell you. Watch this. Many of us in this room have accepted that love. But some of of us haven't. And by saying that I don't accept your love, you're saying to God, I don't care when you were created to care. So what I want to challenge you to do is fix that today. I want you to take a step to become a Christ follower. So inside of your program, there's a prayer. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. I just ask you to read that prayer today. Listen, there's going to be over 20 people that will do this today. You're going to read that prayer, and you're going to say, that's me, God. And I want, to say, I, don't, I want to say, I do care, God, and I want you in my life. And I want to love you back. And that prayer is going to lead you to that. And the only thing you're going to do is you're going to get this card, and you're going to check the box that says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. And we're going to pray for you when you do that. Okay, so we talk about the why, because Christ's love compels us. Now let's talk about the what. What are we to do? Look what it says on your outline. We are to tell everyone that they can be reconciled to God. That's our message. You can be reconciled to God. We're to tell everyone. Look, look at the second, the B part of that verse of 18. He says this. And gave us the ministry of what? Of reconciliation. We're, we've got, Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that message says? That message is to say to everyone this. Your, your life is to say to the people around you that you can be reconciled to God. 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 Our life message, not just our words, but our life is to tell everyone around us that you can be reconciled to God. That's our message. That God has removed all the obstacle, and the only obstacle to, to God is you. 
And if you make that decision, you can be reconciled to God. You know, you're to tell your story of reconciliation. Do you know that your do you know that your kids need to hear your story? Do you know that your friends at school need to hear your story of how you how you reconcile with God? Tell your story. You know, it, we have something called Growth Track that we're going to have next Saturday. We're going to do it one day. And listen, this is going to be a great day. We got some wonderful cooks in this church. It's going to be cooking. Hallelujah! So we're going to eat. All right. So that'll make you come right there, right? Forget about all the stuff that you're going to learn how to share your faith. And you're going to learn your gifts and talents, what God's given you to do. And you're going to learn about SEC. You're going to discover all that. We're going to get to eat good, too. So next, and we're going to learn how to share our faith in, in like 30 seconds. So I want to challenge you to come to Growth Track if you've not been. You can just check the box on the back of your card that says, I'll be here next week at Growth Track with me. Would you come? And let's do that live. All right. So. Next thing, so we have the why, we have the what. We're to, we're to share the message of reconciliation. And that message uh, simply is that you can be reconciled to God. Now we have the how. How do we do this? Here it is. Watch this. Reach out to them in spite of the past feelings. Reach out to them in spite of the past feelings. This is where, when our families, talking about our family again, it seems so difficult, doesn't it? Watch this. Here we go. Watch this. Let me, just, let me just lay this disclaimer out right now. There is some people that you cannot do this with. Did you hear that? I understand that. But for 99% of us in this room, we can make a move. The reason I say this, look what, God's, look what the Bible says that God said toward us. Look what it says. In verse 19 to 20, it says, That was God reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Now, let's read what's underlined. You ready? Come on. Not counting man's sins against them. So when he says man, that means mankind. Okay, so ladies, that's you too. Uh, so not reconciling man's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of what? Okay, so he's given this message to us. We are therefore Christ's what? Ambassadors, as though God were making his what? How? Through us. In other words, God has given us this message to say, the message of reconciliation says you can be reconciled to God. God's removed all the obstacles. We've got to share that. And we've got to share that the people that's hurt us as well in the past. Now watch this. The problem is this, is I want to tell people this. I want to tell people, in spite of, in spite of your sins, you can be reconciled to God. I think we all agree that, right? In spite of our sins, in spite of your sins, we can be reconciled to God. Do you agree with that? Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that in spite of your sins, you were reconciled to God? Aren't you glad about that? Okay, but what we want to say to people that have hurt us is this, is because of your sin, you can't be reconciled to me. When it comes to God, no, in spite, when it comes to God, in spite of your sins, when it comes to God, you can be reconciled to God. But when it comes to me, because of your sin, you can't be reconciled to me. What we're saying is, is that God's standard's here, my standard's here. And we raise our standard a little bit higher than God. And so today, I know that you've got to wrestle with that. 
And we're going to talk about what to do just in a moment. There's a, two famous pastors in our area that, that had an issue I want to tell you about. Uh, Andy Stanley, who wrote a book called Deep and Wide. His father's name is Charles Stanley. He pastors here in Atlanta, been a, a, a megachurch pastor for 40 years here in Atlanta. And uh, his son Andy pastors a megachurch here in Atlanta, uh, you know, been around a long time. Those, uh, Charles Stanley, his dad actually went through a divorce and, uh, of course, never remarried. And through all of that, Andy, the son, got hurt at his dad. And through some other situations that went on, you can read about it in his book. He writes it about it. And because of that, Andy said, you know what? He, he just, he was saying to his dad, I don't care about you anymore. He was saying to himself, I've, I've done everything I've tried to do. I've tried to work it out. I don't care anymore. Matter of fact, Andy said, you know, one day one of his dad's friends actually called him and said, Andy, I want to tell you, I know your dad a long time. He's never going to change. You might as well just move on. Forget about him and just move on. And let me tell you something. He said, that's all I need to hear. Yes. He said, I started telling my wife, Sandra, said, Sandra, I just want you to know that, hey, I'm just moving on. And he said, I told her that about 20 times. She finally said, hey, listen, I'm tired of you telling me. Why don't you go tell somebody else? And so he said, okay, I will. So he went, he said he went to a counselor just to make sure he's checking all the boxes before he just wrote his dad off. And, and so he said he sat down with a counselor. And as he sat down with the counselor, he said he sat there and he just talked and told him, said, you know what, my dad's so bad. He said, even one of his friends called me and said, Andy, you're done. You know, just leave it alone. He says, I just don't care anymore. And he said, the more I talk, the more I talk. He said, I sat in front of that counselor. I just dug a bigger and bigger, bigger hole. He said, he's just looking at me, just looking. He said, you know, that's what counselors do. They just look at you and let you just talk yourself right into it. Said they, so, so finally, he said, finally, he says, you know what? I'm a smart guy. So finally, he said, well, let me, what do you think? He said, I'm going to get him a talk. What do you think? He said, his counselor, Steve, said, I'll tell you this, Andy. You're saying that you don't care anymore, that you don't want to care anymore for your dad. He said, I'll tell you this. He says, you can stop caring for your dad when God stops caring for you. It doesn't mean that the relationship is all hunky-dory. It doesn't mean that it's all lovey-dovey. It doesn't mean that. It just means that you care. And you know one of the things that we do, so the question is, when do we act? When do we act? And the fill-in to that is now. We act now. Now, let me tell you. Some of you say, oh, I know it makes us feel like, what do, i got to do something. So here's what I want you to do. The first step to anything is prayer. Even if you can't talk to them, some of you have reached out. Some of you have tried to make men's listen. I'm not talking to you. You've already, you tried last week. It didn't work. Or the week before that, it didn't work. So now you stop trying, and this is what you do. You start trusting God. You work it out. You ask God to do it. You know what a man told me just that right after the service? He said, you know what? He said, I've got about nine brothers and sisters. He said, my two youngest ones were at odds with each other. He said they were mad at each other. He said, matter of fact, they decided they weren't going to speak to each other and hadn't spoken over like a year to two years to each other. He said, you know, my sister went on a job interview, and when she went on the job interview, said uh, uh, the person she was interviewing that was going to hire her said, hey, she told him her name, said, yeah, I know so-and-so, and that ended up being her brother that the man knew. And so, so the, man, the, the man called her brother and asked, you know, about his sister working, you know, would she be a good employee? And he gave her a great recommendation. And the sister called him and said, thank you. What I'm trying to tell you is that when you can't work it out, God is up to something, right? He's doing something, but it seems like nothing's happened. So you begin to pray. 
Remember what we start off, the why? Remember the why? Why? Because God loves compels us. Remember, he removed all the obstacles. He, when you wouldn't move his way, he went all the way and he did it. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.